Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. Without further ado, we do have um, guests with us today. We have um, Robert Melnichuk and Cindy Melnichuk with us from Yes TV. And um, Robert is the uh, Western Director for Yes TV and Crossroads Communications. If you're familiar with Hunter Huntley Street, been around quite a while. I think it's 1977, Hunter Huntley Street started on Huntley Street, at Hunter Huntley Street. I remember. And uh, it's David Mains was the founder. It's been going for, for years. They uh, purchased um, a number of years ago television stations. Uh, called, it used to be called CTS. You might remember that, Crossroads Television System. Now it's Yes TV. And... Uh, Robert is the general manager for Calgary and Edmonton, uh, along with working in the West here. So uh, I met with him uh, uh, about a month ago, maybe, and I just felt such a connection. He was sharing how he goes to churches and talks about telling uh, you know, our story and, and just sharing things. And I thought, we need to have him here. So it worked out. So I want you to give a big warm welcome to Robert Melchuk and Cindy, his wife, this morning for coming. Thank you, Pastor. And good morning, Church of the Rock. I love that name, Church of the Rock. And of course, we know the Rock is Jesus. That's right. That's the correct answer. <laughs> well, um, it's an honor and it's a privilege for Cindy and I to be here with you this morning. Forgive me, I'm getting over a little bit of a cold. So if I sound way down in the basement. That's just because um, I'm trying to get out and on the top floor. But it's a delight for us to be here with you this morning. Now, as I asked Church of the Rock, it's Jesus. Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, he said, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you and among you, was not yes and no, but in him it is always Yes. Over 10 years ago in the province of Alberta, as was mentioned, the late Reverend David Maines desired to put 100 Huntley Street on primetime television. Back in the city of Toronto, he worked out some arrangements to put it on Global, which is very expensive. And so somebody said, why don't you put application in to get your own broadcast television station? And then you can take 100 Huntley Street and put it on primetime television. So David followed that advice, and 10 years later, we have in Calgary and in Edmonton, CKCS and CKES, which, as the pastor said, was originally Crossroads Television System. It is legally, but we rebranded our name a couple of years ago to become Yes TV, which simply means Church of the Rock is Jesus, and we say yes to Jesus. Now, because we are a religious commercial broadcaster, we can't really promote that message. But when you hear about Yes TV, simply the message is people say yes to Jesus. And so Cindy and I came to Calgary, Alberta, about four years ago. They asked me if I would look after our television stations out here and then also help with the Crossroads Christian Communications Ministry, 100 Huntley Street. And so we've been going, 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 and I finally realized it's a lot of work just for one guy to do. 
So I convinced them to hire my beautiful wife to become the crossroads Huntley Street side of our ministry, and I would look after Yes TV. Well, she's from Mississippi, so if you get a chance to talk to her, you'll love her accent. And so I've learned, as long as I introduce people to her and she starts talking, I don't have to talk anymore. Don't want to talk to me. But Cindy will be uh, following the service of the main foyer there at the table, and we've got a bunch of information that you're more than free to take with you. We also, as a ministry, are looking for monthly partners. There's information there as well. Any questions you might have about Yes TV or Huntley Street, we can answer, she can answer for you. Because we came here four years ago to look after Yes TV, part of our CFTC mandate is to have uh, local content. And so a um, couple of months ago, I have created two shows that we're doing here in Calgary and Edmonton in the Western Canada. Thankfully, the Lord is honoring our desires. This coming summer, we'll have Yes TV in the province of BC, British Columbia. So it's starting to move right to the far end, and then hopefully we'll move back towards Ontario. But they asked if we would create our own content. So we've got two shows that we're doing. One's called Let's Talk with Robert Melichuk. It simply deals with cultural issues that challenge our biblical world view. A few weeks ago, I interviewed Sean McDowell. And so we talked about the church and young people. We talked about the lost message of the resurrection in churches. And so he'll be coming on Let's Talk in a few weeks. But we've also got this other program that I just love. It's called This Is Your Story. This Is Your Story is all about your story. It's all about my story. And what we've tried to do is create it around the theme that every single one of us had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I know today there are many authors and many important and famous people. But, you know, people just like you and I, we've got a story to tell. And so This Is Your Story is all about connecting with people within the local church who've got an amazing story that we can tell on television and then also on our multiple platforms of media. So I wanted to come and be a guest speaker with you, talking with the pastor, so that possibly here this morning, somebody sitting here has got an amazing testimony, a story. And you're not afraid to sit in a studio and tell your story. We'll package it, put it together, and put it on our stations in Calgary and Edmonton and also back in Ontario so that you can tell the story of how you came to meet Jesus Christ, getting the gospel out for the whole purpose of influencing people before Jesus comes. And so, again, if you've got a great story, let me know following the service at the table there. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 51. And I know today that's very irregular because we always have a multimedia screen. But if you happen to have a Bible, turn to Psalm 51. For the next few moments this morning, I would really love to encourage you about the joy of telling your story. In Psalm 51... You may be familiar with this particular verse in verses 12 and 13, but listen carefully what David said. He said, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Remember the moment, the time when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Do you remember how excited you were? Do you remember the guilt, the shame, the burden, all lifted when you met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? David said, restore that to me. And then he goes on and says this, then when it's restored, I will teach 
transgressors your ways. And then here's the promise. And sinners will return to you. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, if you could just with me, follow me carefully, but focus in, if you can, in your mind, creating this picture. That if the Lord restored our salvation, what would we begin to do that possibly we haven't been doing? What would you begin to do that maybe you have not carried on from those early days when you got saved? David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord, and then I will tell everybody about how good, how gracious you are, and sinners will return to you. You want revival? You got a story to tell? Tell your story. You know, on Saturday, June the 2nd, 1962, when darkness had settled upon the town of Pembroke, Ontario, at 11.30 p.m., following the late-night news, at a cost of only $55, the first 15-minute live broadcast of Crossroads with David and Norma Jean Mays pierced that darkness. And that night to overcome the unknown of live television, God empowered the late David Mays using a simple message to speak into the chasm of human darkness. To dispel his personal nervousness for the first time, God spoke to David to design that very first Crossroads program as if he was speaking to a man named Ted, a man whom he had met previously, a man struggling with alcohol addiction. And so as the camera started rolling, David looked into that lens and he shared his personal testimony, how he came to Jesus Christ. And then he wrapped it all up with a simple gospel message. Well, attests to attest to the sovereignty of God, when David and Norma Jean packed all up and went home, earlier that Sunday morning, David gets a phone call. And that phone call came from the gentleman called Ted. And to quote Ted, David said, or Ted said, David, I watched your show last night. Strange, but I felt like you were talking directly to me. He said, I tried to go to sleep afterward, but I tossed and turned until about 4 o'clock in the morning. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. So I climbed out of bed, David. I got on my knees. And I called out to the God you spoke about. I called out and said, God, save my soul, save my life, and save my family. And then David noticed his voice began to fill with joy. And he says, David, I want you to know that Jesus heard me. This morning, I'm a brand new person, David. I don't get it all, but I understand that I am born again. David, I met Jesus as my personal Savior. Imagine the joy of Ted telling his story. And then you can just imagine the joy that David had. So what do you think happened the following Saturday night? What did David do? He told Ted's story. And one story led to another story, led to another story, led to another story. And 15 years later, as Pastor mentioned, on June the 15th, 1977, 100 Huntley Street was launched and has been built on the foundation of testimonies of men and women who have shared their story from literally all over the world. And the result is, folks, thousands of people 
have come to Jesus Christ because of men and women telling their story. Story after story has built a legacy. You realize this morning that Crossroads, 100 Holly Street, is the longest-running daily talk show in Canada. It's recorded as being the sixth longest-running daily talk show in the world. All built on you and I telling our story. You know, one respected partner said of the ministry, and I quote, Crossroads was not and is not about doing a TV program. It's all about sharing the gospel using television in every form of media to reach out to the masses with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 100 Huntley Street, Crossroads Christian Communications, Yes TV as a religious commercial broadcaster, we believe that we are media missionaries. And we are doing everything we can to raise up an army of men and women, young people, who will support the call to take the gospel through every platform of media to get it into our world and around our world to bring that incredible message that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sin, was buried, but rose again the third day triumphantly. Giving men and women, young people, a story to tell, a story just like you have, like I have, like we have together, that we can share to bring people to Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately, at this point, I would have this incredible one-minute video, but we couldn't get it to work. So we'll have to skip that. I'm moving on. But pretend you saw something and you went, wow. Thank you. The joy of telling your story. I'm going to look at three instances from Scripture. I want you to follow along with me. Let me ask you again. Paint in your mind the picture of the results of these people telling their story. Some you're familiar with. Follow with me. Our testimony as believers is powerful. Let me take you to John chapter 4, verses 7 to 30. The woman at the well. Jesus comes to the country of Samaria, and being weary, he came to the place where Jacob's well was located and sat down and was wanting a drink of water. You may be familiar with the story. A woman of Samaria then comes to draw water, and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus carries on the conversation and then says to her, everyone who drinks of this water from the well will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him or her will never thirst again. And the water that I will give him or her will be in him or her, a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty. The living water. You and I have drunk that living water. Remember the day when you first took the sip. Remember when you encountered Jesus and met him for that first time. Remember what it was like to become born again. The living water. Then Jesus says to her as she's getting all excited, 
I want you to go and I want you to call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're, you're right. You have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to Jesus, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The conversation continues to talk then about worship. And after that conversation is concluded, the woman realizing more and more that this just isn't an ordinary prophet, she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, the anointed one. When he comes and we are waiting, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus reveals to her and says, I who speak to you am he. The woman at the well meets Jesus. Every single one of us who are born again have had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Whether like this woman, you were spiritually thirsty. Maybe you were searching and looking at other world religions, dabbling, testing, trying, talking. Maybe it was a philosophy of life you were seeking and searching out, something to find meaning and purpose. Maybe it was a self-help guru or one of those self-help books because you realized deep down inside you were empty, you were aching for something more, and you searched and you searched and you continued to search, but you couldn't find the answer to what you were looking for. Maybe some felt convicted of sin. Like the woman you knew, the current lifestyle that you were or are living in isn't right. The person maybe you are living with, well, you shouldn't be. There's something about what you're doing now that doesn't line up, and you can't put your finger on it except you know that it's wrong. And yes, there is guilt. But maybe... Maybe you were invited to a church service somewhat like this. Maybe it was your first time. And all of a sudden, not knowing what's going to go on, like I've talked to so many people who've came, come to church the first time. Man, I love the rock band that's at the front. The music they're playing. Never heard music like that before. But as the service continues, as it has, all of a sudden, there's this unique awareness that, man, this isn't like an ordinary rock concert. This isn't just a good band and good singers. There's something else here that I feel it, I sense it, I can't put my finger on it, but it's something real and it's alive. And as you look around and you see people, their eyes are closed, their hands are raised, worshiping a God. I'm not sure, but it looks like God is real to these people. And maybe you've been in one of those places and all of a sudden there, your eyes were opened as the Spirit of God begins to move upon you and you become convicted and realize there's something more to life and I don't know what the answer is, but maybe, just maybe, it's here and these people have found it. You know, every single one of us have had an encounter with Jesus. The woman meets him. Her eyes are open. And what does she do? She leaves the water jar. And follow with me. She goes back into the town and she says to the people, I'm sure there was joy and excitement because she says, come. You got to come. 
just up there by Jacob's well. There is a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one? And they could tell by how she was speaking and the look on her face that she wasn't the same woman who went up to the well who came down. And interestingly enough, listening to the joy in her voice, Jesus carries on this conversation with his disciples. And as this is taking place, after the women witnessed to the people in the town, it says in verse 30, they, the people, started to go out of the town and were coming to Jesus. Now, meanwhile, back at the well, Jesus is continuing his conversation with his disciples. And in that conversation, he says this. Listen closely. People are coming out of the town to Jacob's well. Jesus is with his disciples at the well. And Jesus then says to them in his conversation, he says, men, do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Who is he pointing to? The people coming out of the town to where he was. He's saying, look, the fields are white for harvest. Jesus said, do you see them coming? Do you see them coming? Imagine a crowd coming to church of the rock. Imagine each and every one of you going and telling your story. And that story is so inspiring and influencing people that they're willing to come to where church of the rock meets on a Sunday morning. Imagine a crowd coming simply because you told your story. Why were these people coming? Verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him, Jesus, because of the woman's testimony. She pointed them to Jesus, and many more than believed in his word, according to verse 41. Do you see the pattern there? One woman goes to her town, tells the story about what Jesus said and did to her. People start coming. And when they come, the Bible then says that these people no longer believed only because of the woman's testimony, but because of the word Jesus spoke. And what did they conclude in verse number 42? We know now that this indeed is the Savior of the world. Because of this woman's story. Saints, the joy of telling your story. Secondly, I want to move to Mark chapter 5. The demoniac of Gadara. May be familiar with this story again, but Jesus and his disciples had come across the sea to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when Jesus steps out of the boat, the Bible says immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man who had a legion of demons, an unclean spirit. And a conversation takes place between Jesus and this demonized man, and it results in Jesus then giving this legion of demons permission as he commanded them to come out, to enter into a nearby herd of pigs, 2,000 of them. And when they did, those pigs ran down the hillside into the sea, and they drowned themselves. Now, that very act created a community problem. In verse 14, it says, The herdsmen fled and told what they saw into the city and the country, and people came to see what it was that happened. And they came to Jesus, and then they saw this demon-possessed man 
the one who had had the legion sitting there clothed in, in his right mind. The Bible says they were afraid. And those who had seen it, notice, described it to them, all who had come, what happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And these people were so afraid they began to beg Jesus to leave their region. But the outcome of this story is what I want you to pay close attention to. In verse 18, notice, as he, Jesus, was getting into the boat to leave, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him, Jesus, that he might be with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, listen to what he said, No, but I want you to go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so that man, in his right mind, the scripture says in in verse 30, Verse 20, went away, and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's an area of ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And the Bible says everybody marveled. Everybody marveled at his story. But I have a question. Why didn't Jesus allow the man to follow him? Be a perfect testimony for him to bring alongside and say, this man, share your story. And he shares the story. But Jesus said, no, I don't want you to follow me. I want you to go home, tell your family, and tell your friends. Why did Jesus say that? Here's what I think. Because this, and I call him a crazy man, who now, though, is in his right mind, traveling throughout the Decapolis, listen, would be telling every person, every person, person, telling some of the same people also who had chained his hands and feet. He'd be telling those very same people who heard him crying out in the tombs night and day. He would be telling those same people who watched him as he cut his body with stones. This man would be telling these very same people the moment that Jesus stepped onto the land and immediately spoke and set him free. He'd be telling the same people about his encounter with Jesus Christ. Those very same people. And they couldn't deny the man's story because they saw him prior to him now in his right mind. Jesus said to the man, you have a story. You have a testimony. Tell people your story. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a story, you have a story, we have a story. Like Jesus says, go and tell your story. We don't realize how powerful, how influential our story is to people, to our family, and to our friends. And you know what? They may not, they may not know what to do with you, but they will have to agree that they knew what you were once like, but how you are now. And they will have to marvel at the power of the gospel that you believe in, the person of Jesus Christ, and how he can change lives. You've got a story to tell. And there's joy in that story. Finally, Acts chapter 26, Paul's before King Agrippa. See, Paul had appealed his case to go to trial before Caesar in order to defend both 
who he was, his personal life, and the gospel that he preached. But while he was waiting to go to Rome, Paul had a chance to tell his story before King Agrippa. And this is important to understand because at the end of this story, Paul doesn't win him over, but the king makes this incredible statement. Not to go through all of it in detail, but Paul then first of all tells the king his old story. He says, King Agrippa, I myself, I was convinced that it was necessary to do many things hostile to this Jesus of Nazarene. And that is what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons by my authority, but I also cast my vote against them when they were sentenced to death, Stephen. I punished them often in the synagogues and tried to force them to blaspheme because I was so furiously enraged at them. I went to persecute them even in foreign cities. The bad boy Paul. We all have been bad people without Jesus. Then Paul tells, tells them his story. He says, King, while I was doing this very thing, I was going to Damascus with authority and complete power from the chief priests. And about noon along the road, your majesty, I saw this light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining everywhere around me and with those traveling with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? You are hurting yourself by kicking against the goads. And so I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you, to me, to us, for this very reason to designate you and advance you as a servant, as a witness of what I have done in your life, what you have seen and what you will see, and everything I have done in you, you must go and proclaim the message. And Paul, just like Jesus says to you and I, I'll be with you. I'll rescue you from all of your enemies to whom I am sending you. But I will, through what you say, Open their eyes so they would turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God so that they may receive the forgiveness of sins. And then Paul says, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I declared the message Jesus gave me. And as Paul was saying all these things in his defense, Agrippa stops Paul and says, Paul, you almost convinced me to be a Christian. Paul says, O king, I pray to God that whether in a short or long time, not only but you, but all these others who are here in this room listening to, to, to me today would become as such as I am, a born-again believer. Paul didn't win him over, but Paul told his story almost convincing him. The point is, you know what? Sometimes, I get it, we tell our story, we share the gospel, and we don't see any fruit. But that doesn't mean we stop. Paul never stopped. He kept on going. And some people, yes, 
said yes and some people said no. And some people wavered on the fence. But ladies and gentlemen, your story, my story, our story, if we share our story, keep planting seed somewhere down the road. Somebody can water it. But who is it? God who brings forth the increased. The joy of telling our story. Every chance we get, we should be telling our story. That same Paul said to Timothy, young Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1 and 8, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed. Do you know something? Your testimony has power and it has authority. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, very familiar, you might remember this verse. And they, meaning believers, overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony has power. You don't have to be an ordained preacher to preach the gospel. You don't have to be an ordained preacher to share your story. Your story has power and authority. Power and authority over all the enemy can throw our way. It's got power. It's got authority. Your testimony has a proclamation of truth. It says in Revelation 19.10, the angel who spoke to John in prison on the Isle of Patmos said, John, worship God, for the testimony of or about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Your story, your story, when you proclaim it and Jesus is involved, is prophetic proclamation. It's got power. It's got punch behind it. And it can go through any wall, over any wall, through the deepest, darkest hole to reach a lost soul for Jesus. It's got prophetic proclamation. Your story is undeniable. Acts 4.13. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and discovered that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized what? That these men had been with Jesus. You may not have a master's. You may not have a doctorate, a Ph.D. But if you've been with Jesus, no one, nothing is going to stand in your way. Because people will say, he, she, they have been with Jesus. And your story pleases God. Hebrews 11.5, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God. Let me conclude this morning. I remember the day that I made that pivotal decision to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. I was 13 years old. I was at a Pentecostal youth camp. The camp started on Sunday night. This was Friday night. I'm 13 years of age, been at every service. Now, I'm what you would call a church lifer. In other words, I was born on the church pew, raised in the church. I knew how to play church, knew how to sing, knew how to raise my hands, knew how to be a good boy, knew how to do all that kind of stuff. Mom and dad were kind of like pillars in the church. So I knew everything there had to be known about how to fake it to be a believer. And I was good at it. Everybody thought I was a Christian. 13 years of age, youth camp. 
The preacher starts on the Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, all the way. It's Friday night, and I'm sitting in the back of this large tabernacle, they called it, in the far back right-hand corner. Probably about 700, 800 people there, young people. The preacher gets up to preach, and as he's preaching, before he even gets to the end, I, I'm sitting at the back, and I can feel myself starting to kind of shake. And now, see, I knew what that was. That was conviction. But I'm not sure how my shaking and what he was saying was connecting. And then as he's going through his message, he says these words. He says, the Lord has showed me in a dream last night, Thursday night, that there is a score of young people in this tabernacle. That you're faking it. You're acting, you're living as if you're born again, but you're not. And tonight, God's going to get you. And I'm 13. And then I start really shaking. And he explains it a little further. And then all of a sudden, like I was used to so many times, he stands and gets everybody up and gives the altar call. And by that time, I simply can remember as a 13-year-old boy, kind of just quivering under conviction, and my eyes are starting to water. And I'm afraid to go myself because I'm thinking, if people see me go down there when he gives this invitation, they're going to think, what's with Melnichuk? And so what do I do? Well, I ask a guy beside me if he would come down with me so that people may think, well, it's either Melnichuk or him that's getting saved. Not sure which one it is. I knew how to play it, but I knew God was meaning business that night. And so, folks, I left. I left that bench way back in the corner, made that long walk right down to the altar. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but here's what I know. I knew what to say. I knew how to do it. And I gave my life to Jesus Christ. But here's what I want you to understand. When I left that altar and started to walk back to where we were seated, I felt like I've never felt before in my life. There was a joy as a 13-year-old boy that I cannot explain. There was this feeling of guilt gone. I felt as light as a feather. I mean, it was so transformational. I didn't stop where my buddies were. I went right out the back door of that tabernacle and started to go back to where our trailer was. And I know it was dark, but I could tell you something. As I'm walking down this dark road, I felt I could fly. Like, I mean, I felt I was a power ranger. I could fly. It's like I could float. It was just this most incredible feeling I'd never felt my entire life. But let me tell you this. I knew that I was born again. And I had a story to tell. And let me tell you, I told my story. You have a story to tell. Possibly, if I go back to Psalm 51. Remember David? Psalm 51 was where David had been condemned by Nathan because he had committed murder and then adultery with Bathsheba. He was at a low of the lowest, didn't know what was going to happen. But then he says, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're sitting here this morning and you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Or I don't know if you're sitting here and possibly you had once, but you have turned away. You're walking a whole different path. Or maybe because of something that's happened to you, against you, or you've even been done, and there's that guilt and that condemnation and shame. 
and you got no more joy. This morning, the Lord can restore the joy of your salvation. He can change, transform, make you to what he wants you to be, put you back in that place that he's positioned and purposed for your life, and you become a presenter, an influencer, a person who's got a story to tell. And I can guarantee you this. You tell your story like the woman at the well, like the demoniac of Gadara, like Paul the apostle. People will listen. David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then, Lord, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will come to repentance. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.